0: Welcome to episode 41 of the Multidimensional Evolution podcast with me, Kim McCall, and welcome to the first episode for 2021. If you've been following this podcast, you will have noticed that there's been a bit of a gap since my last episode in 2020. Basically, I took some time off and also focused a bit more on my writing, some of which you can find on the online writing platform Medium. However, apart from this excellent episode, I already have a couple of completed interviews waiting for you, and I am really looking forward to bringing you some more clarifying and thought provoking conversations, as well as some solo episodes this year. My guest today is Catherine Mackey, the author of Soul Awareness and the long term medium of an extra physical consciousness called Jarrett. You may recall that I discussed Jarrett in some detail in episode 35. With clinical psychologist Tom Zinzer. Working through Catherine as his medium, Jarrett advised Tom Zinzer for several years with Tom's most complex clinical cases. The remarkable multidimensional therapeutic insights generated by that corporation was what inspired me to invite Catherine onto the podcast. Ideally, I would have liked to have interviewed her and also Jarrett speaking through her because I'm really intrigued by what it is like for an extra physical consciousness to work through a physical person, and I would love to explore that relationship from both sides of the coin. But as it turns out, Catherine was retired, has retired from mediumship. In this conversation, she talks about how she learned about mediumship and her ability to communicate with Jarrett. We explore what it feels like to be channeling another person and how you can be sure it is not just part of yourself. We talk about the kind of obstacles there seem to be to interdimensional communication and, by contrast, what facilitates such communication. Catherine explains the right way to ask questions from a helper and how she agreed her retirement from channeling with Jared, and why we ultimately don't need to rely on channeled information at all. As I'm publishing this episode, I've just been considering a critique of channelled and other mediumistic information. That critique is centred on a range of channelers, some of which seem very dubious indeed. It reminded me of the great importance of discernment and critical thinking when dealing with any kind of information that purports to be of multidimensional origin, including, I might add, the way we interpret our own experiences. The reason I'm so interested in Catherine's work is that so much of it was focused on assisting with complex clinical matters, where the information provided by Jarrett brought about profound healing events for some of the clients. As our interview makes clear, channeling was also never something Catherine did for fame or fortune, which adds additional credibility in my view. In fact, I found Catherine to exemplify a kind of practical, grounded spirituality that seems to be quite rare. So I hope you enjoyed this interview, and of course, as always... Approach everything with full discernment. Don't believe anything, and ideally, pursue your own experiences and study. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to exploring your relationship with Jared because I I was so uh, inspired really by uh, my discussion with Tom Zinzer, which mm-hmm. was in episode 35 of this podcast and and his book. And so I'm really glad that you've that you've then um, that you've decided to come and have a chat with me about your relationship with Jared.
1: Sure, sure. I, I guess um, part of what drew me to it, I was curious what you might be curious about.
0: Yeah. Well, I guess really, I mean, I would like to. You know, you've written your own book uh, about, uh, and we'll talk about that a little bit, but. But sure. what I'm really curious about is the relationship, that whole relationship between a physical person and a non-physical person. You know, how that mm-hmm. develops, how that arose for you, how that manifested in your life. So that's the kind of thing I'd like to explore. And I okay. guess I'd like to I'd like to start with just a bit about your background, you know, who who you well, how you got into that subject matter? Uh, I guess we start with that. How you got into that subject matter generally, because obviously it's not every day that people decide to start channeling uh, an extra right. person.
1: Right. Well, I grew up in a very small town in the West, and my mother was the youngest of three sisters, and, Her sisters, her mother, and her aunt were all very interested in the occult. So I grew up with a Ouija board and um, kind of paperback books about um, poltergeists and ghosts and chair tipping and just kind of all of that dramatic type of uh, thing. I, you know, I don't know um, what got them interested, but, of course, with them interested, I was too. And, um, you so know, you and attend,
0: I did... Did you attend Ouija... Like, was your mum, would she, like, use a Ouija board on a regular basis? You'd be there as a kid watching, that kind of thing?
1: Right, right. Yep, I would watch. And then, you know, when my sister and I were old enough, we would, you know, sit with them and, and do the Ouija board. And my... I. My sister and I, and it seems like there were a couple of girlfriends, we would do the Ouija board also. But I remember reading, and I don't remember these magazines. They were kind of like a a magazine or a paperback. And I don't remember the names of them, but it was a a regular uh, monthly edition that my aunt would have. and, And somehow we came into a big stack of them. And in one of them, I read about automatic writing. So for some reason or another, as a 14 year old, I thought that would be something interesting to try. So I did. And, um, you know, all I did is I, I just sat down and got comfortable and put a notebook on my lap and a pencil in my hand. And, um, You know, I I wasn't sure what I was supposed to do, but I just did it with the intention of automatic writing. And and I did, and I could. Uh, The only thing was the message that came through. I don't quite remember it, but it wasn't very friendly. It kind of frightened me. And um, so I quit, and I never did it again. And, you know, knowing what I know now, when you try something like that and you're not sure what you're doing, you're going to attract probably a very low lying spirit because, you know, they're always looking for entree somewhere. So that was kind of the end of that. And, um, and you and know, I, I, I didn't try it again forever.
0: Yeah. I mean, I I was going to ask you about that because even with Ouija boards, um, I've never used a Ouija board, but I've had friends that, you know, in there in, the, when we were in our twenties, and they were you know, in a stage of life where they were like drinking and, and then, man, oh, let's do a Ouija board. And they did a Ouija board and they got some messages through that were quite scary for them as well, uh, which makes sense. And, and my daughter not that long ago told me about that she was at a party and they were doing Ouija boards. And I guess the, the thing that arises for me around that is exactly what you just said, is that we might, you're kind of opening yourself up and you're inviting people through but you have no idea who these people are. And uh, quite often when we are young and, you know, maybe under the influence or just we don't really know what we're doing, you, you may well attract people who are manipulative and, and um, don't have your best intentions at heart. Was, was your mum talking to you about those kinds of things? Was she conscious of that or was that things No, she, she
1: wasn't. You know, um, later in life, probably oh my maybe my late teens I took a more spiritual bent and I sort of processed for myself away from you know more the the I don't know it's a little bit theatrical you know the Ouija board and getting all excited and and moving away from ghosts and poltergeists And I started to look at life from a little bit more, I think, of a spiritual point of view, Um, whereas my mom and them were still kind of in the – it was a much more dramatic thing for them. I'm not quite sure how to describe it. But I always remember um, my mother telling me that karma was punishment, was either reward or punishment. And I never – bought that idea. I felt like she had it wrong because I felt like that the world was something better than that. And so just, I just sort of d- diverged off of the path that they were on as far as this. So in my late teens, early twenties, I started reading different books and
0: and what sort of And what sort of things influenced you at that stage?
1: You know, when I was a teenager, I read Norman Vincent Peale. I don't know if you're familiar with him, uh, Um, a minister in New York city, uh, the power of positive thinking and just very, you know, just a minister, but not a dogmatic type. Um, I read his books, which I feel like opened up a spiritual side to me. And then from there, I started reading Edgar Casey, which um, was a big influence on me. Now, my mom read Edgar Casey also, so she, you know there was a little bit of uh, connection there that we could talk about. But I read the book that really changed everything for me was *Seth Speaks* by Jane Roberts. And I read that, I'm not sure if you're familiar with with her, but she channeled the spirit guide, Seth. And I read that book and everything I read, I felt like I knew it. I felt like it was something I I had known but didn't know that I knew. So that really changed things a lot.
0: Yeah, I know know that experience. I I haven't read, I'm familiar, I've heard of uh, Jane Roberts' uh, works with Seth, but I haven't really Mm -hmm. read them. Um, But I had similar experiences with uh, the field of study that's most influenced me, which has been consensiology, which was created by a Brazilian uh, researcher. And when I started reading that work, it very much the same. It all kind of seemed like things I had already known and, just kind of forgotten
1: yeah it's like you read something and it feels so familiar and it's like a little light bulb goes off and um yeah it's 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 a great feeling so that book really was a great influence on me it, it just kind of kept me going
0: and did that then also sort of re-inspire you to try and uh channel essentially
1: no, it, it didn't because that was um, probably that was probably I, I would say 15 years later that I did the channeling. And that happened because, as you know, Tom, uh Tom and I worked together in the same office. And I don't know, I I watched your interview with him, and I, I don't know if he told you that story, but I overheard him talking about some things that were metaphysical and for some reason that just triggered in my mind the, the memory of automatic writing. And, um, I just decided to try it again. And also because my husband is real supportive. He, he and I have always, you know, talked about, um, spiritual things, metaphysical things, Uh, Carlos Castaneda's books, you know, he, my husband's read all of those books a couple of times. Um, I I think I got through the first one, but he fills in all the blanks for me. So I don't know, things just kind of came together. And I decided to try automatic writing again. And I knew enough because of things I'd read, and I kind of followed the principles that I read in Robert Monroe's book, Far Journeys, uh, where they he would work with people on remote viewing, kind of that remote travel. And um, there was a, a brief prayer or meditation in that book, and I used that before I sat down to write with the intention that I wanted a healthy, light-filled experience, not something low-level. And um, I think I I sat in a chair with a notebook on my lap, and I think it took maybe five minutes, and I started writing. And it was immediately... Uh, it started out my name is Jared and I am here with you and right. that's that's how it began I still have that notebook in a little locks box
0: yeah
1: yeah it's well, pretty so that's pretty,
0: that's pretty incredible so maybe just for people listening by way of contact context um, uh, Tom Zinza and I'm never quite sure was it clinical psych- psychologist or psychiatrist um, a psychologist yeah clinical psychologist and um, so he was obviously discussing challenges around some of his clients. Is that what prompted it? And you were were you are you also a psychologist, or were you? Um... No,
1: I, I was the bookkeeper. I worked yeah. part time doing their bookkeeping, and I don't quite remember what it was they were talking about. But it was definitely, you know, touching into a metaphysical area. So it it triggered my my interest.
0: Yeah. And did you then um, uh, uh, um, connect with, well, you didn't know you were going to connect with Jared, but did you connect with someone, see to connect with someone with the intention of being able to provide information to Tom? Was that your um, motivation?
1: No, I didn't. I, I didn't even, I didn't know Tom that well, but... I could just tell by the way he talked, you know, different things he would talk about with people, that he was a pretty open person. And I did the automatic writing because I wanted to see if it was something real. And I didn't do it with any thought of connecting with him. But after I, I could write, and I don't know, maybe it was a, only a few weeks for some reason, which now I understand, I felt a very strong need to let him know about it. It, it, was, it was like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll tell him about this. And that was how we met. And I told him what I was doing and told him if he was interested, I would do an automatic writing for him. And I told him, you know, it would just be a matter of meeting and him asking the question. And um, I would just do what I do. I kind of go into a a meditation. And then Jared comes through and and would write with automatic writing. And I explained to him about Jared that he said he was a high-level guide from the light and um, that he was my personal guide but um, that he'd been with me, you know, since I had been born.
0: Yeah. So that's what he, that's what Jared explained to you. Earlier. Right.
1: Yeah, and, and I, because of reading far journeys and Seth Speaks, I was, you know, I was aware of spirit guides. I understood that concept, you know, some people would say guardian angels or maybe have other names, but it's that basic, you know, th- the, the basic promise that all of us come into this physical reality with someone on the other side connected to us.
0: Yeah. And and so what I would be curious about is to break down that experience a bit of your early automatic writing and then I know later it goes into, into speaking. In terms of, you know, you're sitting there, you're in a meditative state, what are the sensations like what happens your hand just picks up the pencil or the pen and starts writing are you there to you know are you conscious do you feel for a moment are are there moments where you kind of question yourself is this actually am I actually writing this myself or is this just coming through me you know maybe you could sort of talk us through those different
1: yes initially um when I first started doing it, I felt i it's, it's kind of hard to describe it, but I'm, I'm a conscious channel. So I hear everything, but I'm very aware that when I am channeling it is as if I move over into the left side of my brain and I feel, my presence over on the left, and I feel Jared on the right. And when I would sit to channel with automatic writing, I would usually um, hold a pen in my hand and I do a little meditation, just a, a silent meditation in my head. And it usually only takes seconds before I would feel my right arm would begin to tingle. It would get real um, kind of like a little vibration from just above the elbow right down and through the fingers. And then the writing would start. I would know it's kind of like I knew intuitively to pick up my hand, put it on the paper and the writing would begin. And Jared's handwriting is different than my own. It's um, a little bit childlike in some ways it's it's printing it's kind of a backhand printing he has a very interesting way of uh, writing letters in fact when I was helping my grandson in the first grade I noticed that the way he writes you know learning to be do good penmanship is a little bit the way that Jared would write he would make some of the letters you know, in reverse, you know, when I'd make a D, I would make a straight down motion and then the loop, but he would do it just the opposite the way my grandson does. So it was kind of interesting, like, well, that sort of validated for me that I wasn't doing the writing because I, I could just let my hand go and the writing wasn't mine Um I could feel the grip on the pen was my hand, but, but not really. You know, it felt different, the energy coming through it. So when I did then channeling, like for Tom... We would sit at the table and he would speak directly to Jared, not to me, but he would speak. Jared would hear from this right side position and then he would respond on the paper. And that was the way I channeled for, for quite a little while till I really, you know, got used to it. I I got comfortable with the writing in that I would try to take control of the pen, and I could. So I could tell the difference between when I had control and when Jared had control of the pen. And it, it was easy for me to just step aside and let him have it. You know, sometimes the things that were written, I would... Sort of question, and i I monitored myself all the time to make sure I wasn't imposing any of my thoughts or concerns into anything that he wrote.
0: yeah, that's what I was going to to ask also is whether some of the information that came through Jarrett to what extent did it correspond to your own beliefs and understandings and at what, you know, were there times when you were kind of surprised or, or, you know, felt that you were seeing things and learning things from the information that was coming through you?
1: I was often surprised. Um, he never, nothing ever came through that alarmed me because his message has always been loving And I feel light filled. It's not judgmental, Um, so I always felt comfortable with it. But yes, sometimes surprised because um, the the work that Tom has done with Jared has brought up information that both of us afterwards were just kind of agog because it's like, what was that? Because it. It really started shifting, you know, paradigms, at least for us, what we were seeing and believing.
0: So even though you, because you've been studying, you know, these materials for a long time, um, what kind of paradigms were shifted for you in his information?
1: I think information about the light, the darkness and evil you know that the darkness is kind of there but evil isn't necessarily darkness isn't necessarily evil darkness is an absence of light um, So kind of those things, and I hesitate to get into some of it because it would be conversations that could go on for hours and days, some of the things he talked about. And um, I think for Tom, it was interesting work because he was able to apply it in his work with his clients. And that was very... I think unusual because everything I had read, you know, through Seth speaks or, um, you know, with, with Robert Monroe's research and other things, I had never seen anything where information was used from a guide to help other people specifically in their healing work. I mean, I, I think a lot of, um, Spiritual work has been used in conjunction with healing work, but I don't think in in a situation like what Tom has done. And I came to understand that this is what we were meant to do. You know, um, free will exists, and I've made a lot of different decisions in my life, but the decisions I've made got me to that encounter with Tom. It got me to... Uh, meeting with Jared and understanding my relationship with him. So I felt, and I think Tom felt that this is something that was supposed to happen if we were kind of open to it. Again, it's free will, but we did, we made the choices and we got to the same place at the same time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there is this, this idea, and I I think you talk about it in your book um, as well of, the life plans, right, that we have certain things that we set out, and, yes, we have free will along the way as well, and we might deviate from our life plans, but it sounds very much like for everything okay. to align the way it did, um, for you to work with Tom, that that you were both following certain things you had planned before coming into the physical dimension.
1: Right. Yeah, because when I backtrack over, you know, through my life, I mean, I was in the West. And um, my husband came out there to school at the university. And I met him there. And we got married. And his intention was to remain in the West. And I said, Well, we can go to Michigan. I've never been there. So it, it was just all these different places that I ended up going and people I ended up meeting and When I took that job, uh, Tom wasn't even there. He didn't work there. He came later. So, yeah, it all worked out the way it was supposed to.
0: And I really agree. I think the work that you did with Tom is especially compelling because a lot of um, uh, sort of channeled information that I've seen at at conventions or at some sessions and so on with people, uh, quite often it's, it's sort of generic there's a generic right. quality to it about you know, the spiritual side and the human side, whereas to have something that is so targeted to individual cases and that really combines uh, psychological models with multidimensional spiritual models in such a mm-hmm. specific way that works, that has achieved, by what Tom says, some really profound shifts for some of his clients um, is, is a very rare
1: right yeah you know I did after I started verbally channeling because um I did quite a few sessions for Tom with automatic writing and we both agreed that being able to channel verbally would be you know a little more efficient a little more expedient and um so I just tried it you know uh closing my eyes and um it did work and it worked very well. And the interesting thing about channeling for me is the more I did it, the better it got. And I, I didn't completely understand that, but it was almost like the more I channeled, the more fluent Jared became because he used my language and, um, I don't know. It, it, it just improved. It was more adept. And I, for verbal channeling, it's the same thing. I felt my consciousness over on the left side of my brain and I felt him in the right side. And I always heard the questions that were asked. I always heard the answers that he gave, but once the session was over it would be very hard for me to recall what was said. People always assumed that I knew I knew more than I did because, well, you've heard it all. And it's like, yeah, I heard it. But it's very difficult for me to retain it. I think because of the way that that shift in, in my mind or my brain or whatever took place. I don't know. There's, there's some kind of a chemical thing going on.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. I I do um, I do some uh, energy sessions with some friends where we get together and we do different kinds of energy exercises. And there's often there's so much that happens during the thirty minutes or so of, of us mm-hmm. doing that. And then at the end, it's almost like trying to recall a dream. You You right. you're kind of needing to really work hard. Oh, and then there was this bit, and then there's bits of information that come through. Gradually, like when we do dream recalls, so I, I, I don't know, I'm guessing it might be similar. And
1: I, I, think it, I think it is. I would always tell people that I come out of um, a session that Jared has done feeling very good, feeling very grounded, feeling very kind of energized in a, in a spiritual way. Um, but I don't don't remember a lot of the details of it. In fact, um, I usually have had to read what Tom might have um, recorded, you know, and and he always had typed up transcripts. But when I was verbally channeling, I was always working with Tom and I always felt that was kind of the focus of the work. But during that time period early on, There was a woman in our area who just really championed spiritual, metaphysical types of things, and she would have a gathering in her home about once a month, and there would be 50 people. She had a very large um, room, and there would be 50 people there, and she would invite in speakers and different people, and I did group channelings there quite often, and those were really Uh, pretty exhilarating because I don't know, there was something about when you gather a room full of people who are open and um, want to ask questions and that they would ask Jared questions. And a lot of times what we did to keep the whole thing kind of under control and coherent, people would write down questions that they were interested in or subjects. And then my husband would ask, would read them and ask Jared. And sometimes people would follow up. But that created a, a quite a profound energy in a group like that. And for me, it was, it was kind of amazing, I the the way it felt for me. Uh, and I think a lot of people felt that. Often Tom would take part. He would be there. And I think the beauty of the relationship that Jared and Tom have is that Tom knows how to ask the questions. He knows how to do follow-up questions. And he he knows how to take the information that he's received. He would work with it with his clients and then he could develop it farther to take it to another level. And I think that kind of what you're saying when people, because I did do channeling sessions privately for people for quite a few years. And I would say those sessions to me were kind of what you're saying, a little generic because people did not know the questions to ask. They were asking, I think, generic questions, you know, not real pointed, focused questions. If if that makes some sense, yeah, yeah,
0: absolutely, absolutely, yeah. Um, so there's a few things I, I'm really curious about. So I might just while I um, uh, start start here. Um, do you think one of the things I would have loved right when I first contacted you is I had this this idea of being able to interview you and Jared because mm-hmm. I one thing that I'm really curious about is what is it like at the other side to try and work with um, a human, you know, and to try and communicate through, through a human body um, to manage the mind of the human and the emotions of the human channel and to understand, you know, to what extent do, do they understand on the other side everything that's going on for us and what it brings up and our confusion and uncertainties and all those things. And I guess you alluded a little bit to it. Like you were saying, it's, it seemed like he was learning as time progressed.
1: Yeah.
0: It was like he was adapting.
1: Exactly. And, and, the, and what you're saying, that curiosity, like to ask him, what's it like for you? That would be interesting. I don't know that I ever asked it that way, but I did feel like the more I knew the easier it was for him. And it's not because
0: I, I knew, never... The more you knew about what?
1: The, I think the more I, I knew about um, metaphysical things or... Um, it's kind of like if someone came to him and said, well, they wanted to speak Spanish with him, that, that's not going to happen because I can't speak Spanish. Yeah. And he could only use... you know, some of the the talents or the language that I have. I did a session once for um, a friend who from Brazil and her mother came in. So she was there translating in Portuguese for her mother. And someone said, well, couldn't Jared understand that? And I said, no, because I can't understand it. I'm the conduit. I'm, you know, I'm hearing, I'm listening. He's using my ears. And if my ears don't understand spanish he's not going to get that information that way so i you know i don't totally understand that i suppose some people would think a spirit guide should be able to understand language. Yeah. but i i just don't think it i don't think it's that way and i think what you said earlier makes sense what what are the limitations for a guide, you know, they, they're they different than us. They're a, they're a, they're a soul, they're a, an entity, and um, the way we operate is is different for them.
0: Mm. The other thing I was wondering is, uh, did you have a sense of there being others? So especially I'm imagining when you're working with a big group, you mentioned the exhilaration that comes with working mm-hmm. with a big group. My assumption based on you know participating in a lot of group workshops with a lot of energy and multidimensional sort of emphasis is that there would have been a whole team of people around Jared, with Jared, helpers, you know, guides from those other people that were there. Um, perhaps some kind of support structure for him mm-hmm. in that mm-hmm. space. Did you ever get a sense of that? Did you have perceptions of those sort of things? Or
1: I, I did. And occasionally one time in a, one of those group session at this woman's home, I, I, when I channeled Jared verbally, I always did it with my eyes closed. And I did, I did that because when I first started, I figured, I did not want to be distracted with my eyes catching something and getting, you know, distracted. But that one particular night, um, there was just a pause, Jared paused, and I could feel a shift. And my eyes went open. And I channeled an entirely different guide. And he was there kind of by permission, just wanted to have an opportunity to speak. And it it was okay. And I've done that maybe two two or three other times, but it's not generally. So I always felt like, yes, when Jared was usually in a larger group like that, there were other guides there. And But usually when it was just uh, he and I and Tom working, then basically it w- I, I didn't feel of that as much. It was a little more focused work.
0: Yeah, yeah. And what about sensations of energy i don't know if that's something that you uh you know that's part of your practice or so on to to notice like would jared's arrival sort of be accompanied by um for me energy is quite an important thing like kind of is a you know kind of a a gauge of something shifting like i feel Mm -hmm. and when i say energy it might be like literally like like you mentioned the tingling sensations around your your hand that kind of thing it might also be a sudden, that's maybe subtle shift in mood, uh, sort of mm-hmm. feeling slightly uplifted or um, slightly altered in my consciousness. Mm-hmm. Did you have those kind of sensations when, as the process started, or when Jarrett would come in for tunneling?
1: I yes, I do, and um, like I say, when I when I verbally channel, I always I just shut my eyes, just take a couple of breaths, just sort of let everything go. And I feel the energy come in. And he always speaks to me silently, you know, uh, before he speaks to anyone else. And it's always this kind of the same mantra. uh, Because when I was only automatic writing he would always start out with the same sentence and end with the same sentence and with verbal channeling
0: what was that sentence he um
1: he would always when it was written he would always start out and say Jared is here with you now and then when he would when he would end it would sign off he'd always say Jared is your guide your good guide, Jared. I always got a kick out of that. And when verbally, when he comes in, he, he will always say, Jared is here with you now. And um, he, might, he's, he says a few other things, and I can't quite remember what they are. But when we leave for verbal channeling, Usually the person he's talking with will, you know, like Tom would say, Well, Jared, that's all I've got for today, and thank you. And then Jared would just say, you know, thank thank you or something. And then he would just go quietly. He wouldn't say anything to me. But then and I usually sit for just a few seconds and come out of it. But there is definitely a a process. And it's like even now talking to you. I can I can feel him. He's right here because people would say, well, isn't he just there all the time? Doesn't he slip in? And it's like, well, no, he's, he's respectful. You know, I've got a life to live. So he's only here. You know, if I'm intending to do verbal channeling or automatic writing, it's in very intentional. And so then it happens. But I've always noticed that when I'm in a situation where, if I'm talking about him or I'm talking about the work with Tom, I, I can I can feel him kind of there supporting.
0: Yeah. And uh, and do you have visual perceptions of him?
1: I don't. Um, you know, sometimes people who have watched me channel will say they feel like they see something or that. But I, I never, I never have. Uh, sometimes when I dream, I feel like maybe I've run into him in the dream because there's every so often I'll have a dream where there's some significant character. And my dreams are very colorful. I smell, I see, I taste. They're just like being alive. And there will sometimes be a significant person that I've never seen before. And I've often thought it's him. Maybe I just kind of wish it, wish it to be, but uh, yeah. But yeah, there's a definite energy connection. Um, channeling is very, it, it can be really draining. And if I'm just doing, um, you know, usually. When I channel for Tom, it's usually forty-five minutes or an hour, and that's pretty good. But there were times when I would travel to different cities, and they would have set up appointments, and I might do five a day, and that would that was very draining. And um, doing the sessions for a lot of people, you know, we would channel for usually an hour and a half. And and I think it's partly because there were so many people, but it it it's very physically draining. It it, mm-hmm. it did take a lot of personal energy to do it, and and I've heard that um, in other cases. Jane Roberts, who worked with Seth, she experienced that also.
0: So it sounds like there's a bit of a two sides to it because you also talked about it being quite exhilarating and energizing. Mm-hmm. On the one hand, uh, but then physically, perhaps so. This may be more emotionally uh, exhilarating and, and physically draining. Or how would you?
1: Yeah, I, yeah, I th- would say emotionally exhilarating and um, just being left with a very peaceful feeling. It's you know kind of like you just had a had a wonderful experience, and. Um, that kind of exhilaration, but usually physically pretty tired. Yeah. Um you know, I I one time when I went and I, I had to quit doing it. I was just being too thinking it was fine to do. You know, I think I did five sessions in a day. And then the next day I slept most of the next day. So it it just got to be a bit much.
0: Yes, yeah, so I was going to ask you, you know, why you retired from that and whether it was your choice or Jared's choice.
1: Well, you know, I really honestly retired because um, our youngest was in high school. Our youngest child was in high school. And my husband had been working full-time all these years and I had always worked part full-time and then when he was in school and then part-time and then when I was working with Jared that was all I did and I did you know receive some money for some of the different things that I did but not a lot and it was like one day I, I just said you know if we're going to be able to retire comfortably I need to go to work full-time so I made a real conscious choice I was going to go to work full-time I was not going to channel for anyone but for Tom so I was working full-time and then still doing sessions for Tom. And, um, you know, people at different times would ask me, um, and it was hard, but, it, you know, for me, it was the right decision. I, it, it's it's kind of like well, I had to get on with my own life because for quite a few years, my life was focused around working with Jared and working with Tom and doing channeling sessions for, you know, a lot of other people. And it it just got to where I I needed to pay more attention to my own life and what I needed to do. And I went to work and had a job I loved, you know, and uh, was able to help with our retirement fund, and and it was good.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it sounds like a really balanced way of ne- negotiating your physical needs and your, sounds like multi- some sort of multidimensional responsibilities that you had.
1: Yeah, you know, sometimes people think that, well, you're a channel, you're supposed to do that. Well, not really. You know, um you can do with it what you want. It's, it's my life. And, you know, Jared was fine with it. It's... Yeah.
0: I was going to ask, did you have a discussion with him? Did you go, here? Yeah, this is what's happening? I,
1: yeah, I I certainly did, you know, and, and it is, he, as he would say, you know, it's your life and it's your decisions and we've done our work. And I'll have to tell you, I felt I had reached a point also with Tom because he was at a certain point in his work I reached a point where I felt like Jared and I had done what we needed to do because the body of information that Tom gathered from Jared, he could continue working with clients without needing to talk to Jared a lot about those individual clients. And he had gathered a body of knowledge that I felt needed to be written, and Tom has written it.
0: Yeah. And, and I'm teaching it as well. I think that's the plan he was saying. He's now planning to to teach it in some way to help people train in that space.
1: Exactly. Yeah, I felt um, I always had an underlying feeling that the work that Jared and I did with Tom and maybe some of the work that Jared did with the people for whom we did private channeling sessions, that somewhere along the line, we may have done something that affected the future in a positive way that Jared, that I will never know about. And that's okay. I think we did it. I think we did what we needed to do. So that was part of the reason why it was easy for me to say, okay, now I can get back to work, start making some real money, start making, you know, so we can help our kids with college so we can save up for retirement because I felt like the work was done, essentially.
0: Yeah. And um, in terms of your relationship with Jared outside of the channeling work, do you feel his presence in your life? Do you feel there's been assistance and other sort of insights and just everyday practical uh, support? Uh,
1: There is. The thing that I know, and my husband and I, we kind of laugh about this. It's kind of like, you know, with the pandemic going on and kind of like when we weren't real happy with the politics in the country, um, we'd look at each other and say, well, I could ask Jared but we know what he'll say because everything that happens is for a reason. It's for growth. It's to reveal things that needed to be brought to the light. And, um, so I don't ask Jared a lot of questions, but I know he's there and I can, if I want, um, people have, will ask me, well, did you ask Jared? And I'll say, no, because I know what's going on. And, and I only say that because I think that once people understand that we all have a soul, we're here for a reason, everything that happens has a purpose. We may not understand it, but it's not random. It might appear random sometimes, but everything happens for a purpose. And because I believe that and I know that, I don't feel like I have to look for a lot of reassurance Mm -hmm. from Jared for it. And I've worked with him enough over the years that you kind of know he's not going to tell you everything. That was the thing we used to laugh about, Uh, you know, Tom did so well with Jared because he would ask Jared a question. Jared would answer it. But Tom always knew how to follow up and go deeper with it. And when I would do private sessions for people, like I say, I can hear it, but I don't remember it. So, um, but during the moment, someone might ask Jared a question, and Jared would answer. And I'm over here thinking, aren't you going to ask the next question? And they don't because people don't always know that they can. Because Jared won't volunteer. Mm. Very rarely will he tell you something unless you ask for it. You know, it's you can't come in and sit down and say, "Well, tell me, tell me this or tell me that."
0: Tell me everything about my life. What should I be doing? Yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah that's that's a pretty generic question, and that answer would be pretty pretty generic and pretty kind of weak, you know is what I'm trying to say i think it's it there's an art to talking to a guide
0: yeah. And there's a there's a good reason also I think because there's a for the sort of reticence perhaps because there's a risk of us developing a dependence right I think when you as you say people saying oh have you asked Jared this have you asked Jared that right it's it, it there can be a temptation when you've got access to someone who seems to have a bigger picture view to kind of run everything past them when the point of our life seems to be precisely to be living in this restricted sense that we're in and kind of mm-hmm. bumbling along as best we can, right? Making the best choices that we, that we can along the yeah.
1: way. Yeah, you've put it very correctly. It's that sense that, yes, we can't develop a dependence. And also, um, we're not meant to know everything that's going to happen to us. You know, there's things that we maybe are going to encounter that are difficult. And it would be like, well, Jared, why didn't you warn me? Well, we have free will and we need to we need to be able to live it not not have everything every challenge taken out of our path because we we won't learn we won't grow if we don't have those experiences. You know, Jared would always say that, you know, I'm I'm here to help you know who you are. And that you are a part of the universe. You're of the light. You have knowledge within you. And I mm-hmm. think Th- that's why when I say I don't need to ask him a lot, it's because I know that I I kind of understand what's going on, and I can accept it, even though it might make me sad or mad or, or whatever.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that's really the kind of things that I had to ask that I was curious about around your relationship Mm -hmm. with Jared, I guess, um, you know, I enjoyed, I enjoyed your book, nice and succinct kind of summary. How did that come about? So the book's called Soul Awakening.
1: That Jared wrote that book. He I, I automatic wrote that. And it is the strangest thing because In fact, I asked my husband tonight, I said, do you remember what year that was? He dictated that, you know, through automatic writing. I didn't ask any questions. I would just sit down and start automatic writing. And I collected it all. And it was like I forgot I had it. And one day, I found it in a pile of stuff, and I showed it to my husband and uh, he read it, and he said, well, we need, we really need to publish this. We really need to get it out there for people to read. So um I drugged my feet on that. That's why the dedication to that book says to Gary, who insisted, <laughs> and uh, he did he did all the legwork work on it. Um, the only thing I did is I typed up the manuscript from the handwritten pages and um, every just very, very slightly corrected some grammar just to help make sure that everything made sense. But really there's very, very minimal editing on that because I did not want to, alter sentences too much because while they might not make sense to me, they might make sense to someone else. And when I reread it, I am kind of astounded by the book, to tell you the truth. It's like I read it again for the first time.
0: You're right. Yeah. I mean, I get that with my own writing sometimes, right? I read some things I've written myself and I go, wow, did I write this? <laughs> I, I know.
1: It's like, gee. Yeah. 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 That I, I really like that little book and, and, you know, uh, we, we didn't write it to make a bestseller, but, uh, again, it's that thing of if there's someone who needs to read it, they'll find it. And so, you know, we get about $14 a year from Amazon for it, but uh, it's out there. And, uh,
0: yeah, I'm and glad. do you have much to say? So there's there's a few things that you know. Reading it, um, uh, I guess I'm kind of curious about. I find quite quite. I guess we get drawn to things that that either confirm things that we already think or mm-hmm. believe, or um, or understand, or you know, things that kind of uh, add something new. Uh, I I thought there was a little chapter and for people who haven't looked at the book yet, right, is basically it's, I think it's about 28 or so chapters, but they're often quite brief. They're often like two or three paragraphs yeah. of right. on, a, on a topic. Um, there's one on what's called the shift, mm-hmm. which uh, I guess, you know, that's a, a theme that is found throughout spiritual New Age and even uh, traditional religious communities, that there's some transformation that's coming, right? We're all kind of... There's many different ideas about some kind of transformation. Now, the thing that I found interesting with just that little few passages that Jarrett there put, and I might just read this um, this sentence that I copied here. Uh, this enhancement of Earth is a slow, gradual process, and the signs of its unfolding are global as well as personal. It is painful as individually people struggle on many levels. In the mass consciousness, society struggles as well. Um, That is quite a different message from the more uh, I don't know how to quite say it, but those those uh, ideas that there's going to be this sudden awakening or this mass oh. shift, you know, that sort of you keep finding in the New Age kind of community, and it resonates very well with the understanding that we have in consensiology, which is this Brazilian framework that uh, that right. I study in, where we talk about this process of, of para-reurbanization that, that the, the both of the well basically the state of consciousness on the planet is being shifted is being changed it's being reurbanized. Mm-hmm. but that there, this is a very gradual process it'll spread out over uh, several generations yet and it will bring a lot of pain as old consciousness old, old belief systems and so on kind of Dig in their heels and resist and fight, and um, are gradually replaced by more expansive and and song, you know states of consciousness. So I, that's what it, this evokes for me. I don't know if there's anything more that you ever spoke with Jared about this, or uh, whether you have any other insights on that from his perspective.
1: Well, I I, I see it that way too, and I I. Th- what i learned from jared you know the thing in metaphysics and a lot of the spiritual stuff there's a lot of people get really caught up like 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 in in drama in 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 a big dramatic shift or all of a sudden this is going to happen or that's going to happen and um i just really got the very deep abiding belief that no we're in a physical reality it has to transition through stages it has to transition through human consciousness becoming more aware making different choices you know and and we've when we think back to 500 years ago what this world was like already it's happening but it it's going too slow for many people but i think it's the way it has to happen and um,
0: it's going too painfully for many people. I think that's the thing, right? We're yeah wanting to avoid this. It's, it's the same with what you're talking about before with seeking guidance from 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 helpers all the time. It's like we were trying to avoid the pain mm-hmm. in life.
1: Yeah, and and I think that's one of the things that I've always appreciated about Jared. He's very compassionate and he realizes And talks about the pain that we go through in this reality. But at the soul level, there is an awareness that that is is part of the process. And it could be difficult. And he would talk about, yeah, once in a while there's a vacation life. When a soul will come in and just, you know, that particular life might just be a vacation where you're just going to enjoy the world and soak in knowledge and then when you make transition at death then you 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 go you review and maybe the next life is going to be the challenging one so i just i i i feel like so many people look to metaphysics look to the spiritual as a way to create easy steps or something. I'm I'm not sure how to put that. Um, I would believe from everything I've learned through Jared, through channeling for myself, for others, is that um, each of us is here for a reason. And that reason is to grow at the soul level. And we can't do it unless we have these experiences and uh, we're going to change ourselves we're going to change the world but it's going to be slow step by step and i'm okay with that cuz it makes sense to me there's not going to be there's not going to be some big miraculous thing happen i don't believe that there's little miracles here and there though yeah definitely <laughs> i i like in the book when he talks about the and it's kind of funny because he doesn't usually get into talking about hierarchies, you know, in the spirit realm. But when he talks about the, 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 the searchers and the planners, the different types of guides, you know, like sometimes at a very difficult cataclysmic time, there will be um, guides that will take a physical form to hold light, be a point of light. I believe that. I think that happens. I think we all encounter, um, individuals or situations where we can feel there is something extra being given to us to help us. And I think that happens. I think those are, those are the little miracles. Those are the, the, the the things that happen that I think are very helpful, but
0: yeah, yeah, and I was curious. I wasn't quite sure in that passage whether he was talking about people um, being born, uh, or whether he was actually talking about helpers temporarily. Mm-hmm. There was a passage where it sounded like he was essentially saying helpers temporarily assume a human shape. Yeah, uh, yes, for a brief period of time. Say, for example, around the twin tower. You know, big, big catastrophic. Mm-hmm. Where there's a lot of painful energy and grief and trauma, um, they come to hold space, and yes, yeah. that's yeah. right.
1: Yeah, they bring in the light. They hold that energy because sometimes, you know, there. Sometimes an individual can be devastated, and that can occur. But I do think that there are times that are very cataclysmic when we need that help. And I do think we receive it. And my understanding is it, w- it would be guides, high-level guides who would assume a physical form and just, uh, you know, walk on earth for a short while to do what they need to do and then kind of disappear. I used to swear I saw them in the grocery store. Every once in a while, th- This this is probably me being sort of goofy at times. But um, there was a time period, we lived uh, in a different town. And I was I had cancer at the time. And I was going through uh, treatments for breast cancer. And I would go shopping because we had three young children at the time. And I would swear, there was this one man I would see at the grocery store, every time I was there. And I I guess I gave him the assignment of being a guide bringing a little light in or something. I don't know what it was, but I see things like that. And I, I, I sort of, uh, you know, maybe it's just a fun thing, but I sort of think, well, who knows? And I've just, and I think I've just been watching for these guides that Jared talks about who come to be with us.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's tricky with those things. I've I have, I've had situations as well where I've they still resonate with me. Like encounters with they weren't even encounters. I never spoke with these people, or maybe mm-hmm. just two words. But there are these moments that had a certain magical quality to it, where something shifted in my life, or some insight arose from that interaction. And yes. um, then you know I make it give it a certain meaning. Maybe it didn't have that meaning, but it had an impact in my. In
1: yeah, my, and and I think when we do that i i kind of think that's okay because i thought i thought well even if that person wasn't a guide manifesting physically as i might think maybe the fact that i even thought it gave me some comfort that i needed at that moment because it's kind of a spontaneous thing don't you think that feeling
0: yeah 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 definitely so thanks so much for coming on and also thank you you know Jared for all that work that he's been doing
1: yeah it it yeah it was very meaningful to do the work with him and um uh, it's something that I've always been grateful for and appreciated and it was always something that i I tried to always do my best i I felt like um I was a clear channel I I just, I didn't have any reason not to be, you know, I I knew it was important. And uh, it was easy to step aside and let him do what he needed to do with Tom. And I think that good things came out of that work. And that means a lot to me. I, I appreciate that I was allowed to do that work. It was meaningful.
0: Yeah, and just on the clear channel part, I mean, it seems quite significant, I think, that it wasn't a a commercial exercise. You know, there are some uh, big scale commercial channels, Mm -hmm. uh, large scale commercial channels. And um, I think that must create pressure on providing certain kinds of information and um, showing up in a certain way. Uh, so there's, there, there seems to be a purity, I, and I don't know. I, I don't think there is an issue with people necessarily, you know, making it a job. Because it, as you say, it, mm-hmm. is, it is energetic investment. It is tiring, um, but it it does has it does have the potential to to perhaps, you know, create. It adds something else that that could detract from just transmitting information as you as you get it
1: right you know um i did it for a while you know private sessions for for people And, and a lot of the people were clients that had worked with tom and were aware of him and just kind of word of mouth and i think i did it because once people that worked with tom knew i could channel and they because tom would explain about jared they wanted to talk to jared and um so for a while, I think I enjoyed doing it, but I really did get to the point where, as it, kind of like you said, where it, or it just felt generic. You know, I felt like maybe those sessions were meaningful for the people who were talking to Jared, but they they weren't being meaningful to me anymore, mm. and I felt like I needed to move on, and because the work that Jared did with Tom was at such a higher level. I mean, the work they were doing was just kind of way beyond, you know, the questions that most people ask. And it's not that they're asking bad questions. It's just that for me personally, it it started to become almost um, monotonous. And I, I don't mean that unkindly, but it's, it's, it made me realize that being a a channel who was going to channel for other people, that wasn't my calling. That wasn't for me to do. It was, it was to do the work with Tom. And, um, so that, that, and, and because I felt that work was so important, I could stay as clear and, and step out of it. And partly because Tom, trained as a psychologist the level of discussions that he and Jared have I don't think I could have had them because he had he was speaking English but it was like a different language mm-hmm. you know it was very professional and Jared could keep up with them they they could talk about it so I could stay clear and and uh, that was real important
0: yeah Yeah. Yeah. And I really would encourage anybody who hasn't yet, uh, I've probably said this already, but if you, you know, I'd encourage anybody who hasn't yet to go back and listen to the discussion with Tom Zinza and to check out his website.
1: Yeah. It's that I listened to that and it was a very good interview and it just gives people a lot to think about.
0: Yeah. 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 Well, thanks so much, Catherine, for coming on. I really. Well,
1: you're welcome. I I enjoyed the conversation and uh, I wish you all the best.
0: I really hope you got some value out of today's episode. If you did, why not leave a positive review on iTunes and share it on social media to help others find it. The tune seeing us out is another one from Axel Teslev. This one is called Akasha. You can find more information about today's guest on my website, multidimensionalevolution.com, including any links to their work and their contact details. On my website, you'll also find my blog and information and reviews about my book, Multidimensional Evolution, which you can purchase in any good bookstore if you want to show your love for this show and get practical info for your own exploration of consciousness. Finally, please get in touch, whether it is to ask questions, share experiences, or suggest guests and topics. I always love hearing from people, as I believe it is through sharing with each other that we can all grow together. Until then, or until you tune in again, I am sending you my very best energies.